Genesis 28, if you want to get your Bibles out. Some of you use paper, some of you use chips. Genesis 28, verse 10 and following. This is the story of Jacob's ladder. And I saw this, I saw this story in Sunday school when I was young, and there was a cartoon of Jacob with his head on the rock, and then there's angels going up and down the, the ladder to heaven. And what we're doing in this series, Below the Waterline, is we are showing the depth meanings of these very simple stories. We learn them as children, and they kind of remain Sunday school stories for us. And some of you were in the men's group on Monday morning, and we went over this on on Monday, and it was just an incredible lesson. And those of you men who are listening online, and those of you men who are here present, you are missing the best Bible study I've ever been a part of on Monday mornings at 7 Pacific. And you can certainly get a hold of me and, and uh, become a part of that. But we looked at this, and this story has so much depth. I've got a picture on the screen of an iceberg, and 90% of an iceberg is below the waterline. And well over 90% of you is below the waterline. Your subconscious mind is way faster than your conscious mind. Your conscious mind is paying attention to me right now or not, one of the two. And most of you is, is way below the waterline. Parts of your mind and your soul are, contain, or are controlling your, your blood pressure, all of the hormones in your body, all the levels of this and levels of that, your heart rate, and also processing all of your problems. If you ever had a problem like with a crossword puzzle or with something else, and then you could set it aside and come back and boom, you've got it. Or you can't think of someone's name. I was having trouble thinking of Jan Stolzenberg's daughter's name this morning. And I said, oh, forget it. And I went into prayer about something else and boom, Christina popped into my head. It, it, it's, it's fascinating how your mind is solving problems for you while you're just sitting there. And you are all a lot bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. The human mind is vast, absolutely vast. There's parts of you that even you don't know yet. There's, there's, it's, it's, it's a never-ending journey. Wendy and I just got back from a camping trip in southern Utah, and there's so much more to this country than I knew. Some of the most spectacular, spectacular scenery in this country is in southern Utah. And we saw all this stuff, and I had no sense for this. But that's what happens when we explore parts of our souls, too. And the Dutch have a favorite psalm. What's, what's the favorite psalm for the English-speaking world? Psalm 23. Everybody does Psalm 23. The Dutch, it's Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water. It's a song about water. It's a psalm about water and about floods and about thirst. And of course, the Dutch are pretty into pushing floods back. That's kind of what they've done. So all the water imagery really stirs their souls. But one of the phrases in Psalm 42 is deep calls unto deep. And what I would say to you is the deeper parts of the word of God are calling out to the deeper parts of you. I don't really have time right now for superficial messages. I just I just don't feel it's a season for that. We, we need to go deeper. We need to look at fresh manna. We need to look at fresh teaching. 
and not new teaching, but deeper teaching of the same stuff. Uh, there's a deeper story too, to Jacob's ladder and deep is calling to deep. I think one of our prophecies was uh, Jesus is calling and will you answer? He's calling to the deeper part of you, not just the part of you that is uh, conscious, but the whole you, all of your hurts, all of your memories, all of, uh, all of the stuff in there. And sometimes that stuff comes out in dreams. And this is a dream sequence, which we're going to look at in Genesis 28. And for those of you with busy minds, and I'm not one of them, you might think I've got a busy mind, but I don't. So often Wendy looks at me and says, what are you thinking about? And literally nothing. I'll just be sitting there. And I, I can stop my thinking right now. And uh, I think about one thing at a time, and I am a plotter. I just sort of plod along with my thinking. And I, I think on one wire, just, I can go pretty deep, but I don't go fast. And uh, I was the worst typist in my typing class in, in uh, high school. So glad I took that because who knew the keyboards were going to be so important. But I was the worst typist. And the teacher pulled me aside and says, you're really bad at this. Um, you've been working at it all this time. And she tried working with me. And finally she said, read this page silently. So I read it. So you done now? Yeah. I says, uh, your typing speed's the same speed as you think. You really can't go faster than that. <laughs> so it wasn't my typing that was the problem. It was the fact that I, I think slowly and kind of plod along. But for those of you with busy minds and you know who you are, God often has to knock you out and get you during a dream. You know, the number one way for Muslims to come to Christian faith is dreams because their conscious mind won't let them think in those terms. By far, more Muslims come to Christ through dreams than anything else because their conscious mind tells them and their culture tells them you can't do that. And Jesus comes to them in dreams. He also comes to people in the strangest ways. One of my best friends from Washington, Jim Rosenthal, was shall we say, a hippie from the 60s who just loved chemicals. And he showed up at my church and he said, I was lying naked on a rock, tripping on acid. And Jesus walked up to me and said, I'm God and the Bible's true. Go tell people. So I thought I'd come knock on your door. And he's been a faithful believer ever since. I mean, it's, just, it's fascinating how, how God works through people. And Jacob, listen carefully. Jacob had a busy mind because he was a conniver and nobody has a busier mind than a conniver. Connivers are always thinking of ways to get up on, you know, get a leg up on somebody and, and find a way to sneak around this and sneak around that and, and beat the system and, and, you know, uh, get the blessing and get the birthright and, and, you know, work with mom to, to, to fool dad and, you know, all this stuff. Busy mind. You can't be a conniver without a busy mind. You can't be a master criminal without a busy mind. It kind of goes together. So he didn't really know God very well. He'd heard of God from Abraham, his grandfather, and Isaac, but he'd never run into him because he was too busy doing what? Conniving. And he was not a role model at all. And so we've got this story here of Jacob's ladder in Hebrew, Sulam Yaakov. Sulam is the latter, and Yaakov is, of course, Jacob. And it is one of the most written about passages 
in all of the literature of the rabbis because there's so much depth in this story. Deep calls unto deep. And the deeper parts of this story through the Holy Spirit are going to call unto the deeper parts of you today. Jacob was a spiritual failure. Nobody would, none of us would want to be around him. You could just tell when people are kind of hustling you. And he was one of those guys. I, I can't stand it when I want to buy something and all of a sudden the salesperson starts hustling me. I like salespeople who are looking for a good deal for them and for me. And we can work this out together. And good salespeople know how to do that. But if you feel like you're getting pushed, I'll give you $1,000 off and you can decide right now type of thing. Don't do that to me. Because that hustling thing is really unattractive, and Jacob was a hustler and a conniver. He stole his birthright from his brother Esau for a can of stew. Because Esau was hungry. And you can manipulate men with hunger. Some of you women have done that. It's uh, We're simple creatures. It's amazing what uh, we will do for, for a belly full. And uh, got the birthright, and then... Dressed up like Esau, tried to smell like Esau, and he was kind of a mama's boy, connected to mom. She was kind of a conniver too. And let's let's get the blessing. Let's steal it from Esau. And this is one of those stories for those of you men. I really believe that most moms have an anointing for healing. What's the first thing you do when you skin your knee? You want mom to what? Kiss it better. If dad doesn't, well, it's okay, but it's not the same. When I'm really in trouble, I know you're supposed to pray to God the Father. It says, pray like this, our Father. But when I'm in trouble, I either yell, Jesus, or Mom, or one of the two. You know, it's, it, it, Jesus is, is who you go for, and, and Mom is the healer. But dads have an anointing for blessing, and you can get along without your father's blessing, but it's not easy. And blessings from fathers are real. And when Isaac had given it, he'd given it. It was a real thing. And there was nothing left to give Esau. Blessings are, people will crawl over ground glass in the Old Testament get, to get blessings from their fathers. And those of us who are men have an anointing to bless people, to affirm people, to lay our hands on them and bless them. And you have the biggest crime in our country in the communities where the fathers are the least present. There's something about a present father blessing which makes a big difference. It's not a guarantee of the kid's success, but it helps a lot. And you can still succeed without it, by the way, and a lot of you have. But it's harder. We need men in our lives to bless us. So Jacob was a spiritual failure, not a role model. His name was also Israel. They named the whole country after the conniver. Think about it. Name the whole country after him and not a role model. And I want to share something that's happening in our country right now. People are tearing down statues. And I'm not going to make a political statement about that because I believe the Bible is political, but it's not partisan. I won't make any partisan things right now. But we're tearing down all of these statues because we're in something called cancel culture. If you find out anything about someone that is unacceptable, you can cancel the person. 
And you know why we're there? Because our culture has become godless. And without God, there is no forgiveness, no restoration. And what you've done, you've done, and it's over. If you ever had slaves, there's nothing good about you. If you ever did this, there's nothing good about you. If they ever find out what you... If any of us ran for Supreme Court in this room or listening online, uh, they'd find something. And we'd get canceled. And why do we have cancel culture? Because we don't have God and a sense of redemption and a sense of transformation of even the worst schmucks like Jacob. God chose Jacob to show how much he could transform anybody. He probably picked him because he was the least likely to be a patriarch. This is why we need God in our culture. And I'm not saying God as I understand God or God as you understand God, but a sense of in God we trust a higher power, a sense of our country submitting to the will of providence in some sense. We're going to have cancel culture. Because without a transforming grace upon grace God that you were talking about, Jen, without that grace, without that transformation, without forgiveness, we're all canceled. And once you start tearing down statues, you start tearing them all down. There's no one left. And there's no role models left. And what that says about our culture is we don't believe that anything is redeemable once you've made the big mistake. That's what cancel culture is. Jesus culture is different than cancel culture. And the story of Jacob is all about that. Basically, God says to you and to me, you shall not cancel my people. No matter what they've done. No matter what you've done. No one has the right to cancel what God has brought into existence. Even Jacob. And this is why Israel is proud to call him their namesake patriarch. Because they believe in a transforming God. Basically, Jacob's family got sick of his conniving. And here's what they said. Let's read it out loud together. One, two, three. No one likes you around here. Your brother may want to kill you. Go find a woman and get alive. This is a summation of what they told him. Just get out of here and go get a profession, earn some money, go do some things and uh, get your own family and uh, just leave us alone for a while because you just caught, you caused a lot of bad vibes around here. A lot of bad vibes. So they exiled him. Basically, they sent him away. We don't want you around here anymore. They tried to cancel him. We're done with you. Go off and go do something else. So let's look at the story of Jacob. This is in verse 10 of chapter 28. I'd like you to read along. Those of you online also, please uh, go ahead and you can pause these things and, and catch up. That's the cool thing about watching online. You can pause this, go to the bathroom, come back, you know, pour some more coffee. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba because he wanted to. No, because he had just been uh, sent off to find a woman and get a life. And there's a lot of us uh, who think that way. We'll, we'll go there. 
Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. And this is a universal human experience, not just Christians, not just Jews. Most every culture has a symbol for connection with heaven. The ancient Scandinavians had a rainbow that connected us to heaven. Led Zeppelin wrote a song about a stairway to heaven. I mean, it's, it's, this is universal. Uh, people have had this experience of connecting with the creator in every time and every place. This pops up in literature, pops up in culture, pops up in every religion where people have this opening up experience. And most of you have had a handful of those experiences where all of a sudden God felt very close and you were connected to things. It might have happened during music and singing. I was uh, at a traditional Lutheran church once during an Easter service, and behind me we were singing this Easter song with trumpets blaring, and the old older church lady behind me started singing in tongues. She didn't know she was doing it. But she had a breakthrough thing that happened to her because she was so overwhelmed by the presence of God during the Easter service. And when the trumpets blow and you hear the smell the lilies and she just heaven opened up for her and she was singing in tongues and had no idea. I just told her afterwards, do you realize you were singing in tongues? No, what's that? So we have these experiences. It's happened to me four or five times in my life where all of a sudden out of nowhere, I felt close to God in a way that I couldn't put into words. It happens in nature sometimes. Some of you get that feeling outdoors. Some of you get that feeling during a prayer meeting when someone's praying over you and you feel the anointing. You've had these experiences. And it happens to non-Christians too because it often brings them to faith. God gives them these experiences. Jacob was not exactly a spiritual guy when this happened to him. It was not like a reward for his faithfulness. God couldn't get a hold to him, hold of him any other way, so he had to get a hold of him during a dream. And boom, the heavens opened up. And I believe that those experiences are permanently transforming. They are a spiritual tattoo that you can't undo. You can't become an agnostic after one of those experiences. Certainly not an atheist. You can't go back to thinking a different way once you've had a heavens open up thing where you boom. And we think of God as being up in heaven, but we've gone to the moon and God isn't there anymore. He's anywhere else. It's not like there's some place up there. The reason we use up is it's, it's the only word we have for this other dimension where God lives. God is not part of this creation. They will never be able to prove God's presence in this creation by scientific means perfectly because God is not part of this creation. If he was part of this creation, he wouldn't be the creator. He is by definition outside of this creation and unmeasurable. And you can't, you can't take a picture of God. There's no image. That's sort of the forbidding of an image of, you can't take an image of God because he's not part of this creation. This is his creation. It's like saying that uh, that uh, um, the people that built my Volkswagen bus outside uh, are part of the bus. They're not. It, you can look around that bus all you want. You won't find the Germans who put that together in Wolfsburg. 
1971. They're not there any more than God is here. God is not part of this creation. And so we have these experiences where we, we, the heavenly realm, the kingdom opens up to us. And we're like, whoa. And that's what Jacob needed to be transformed. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I'm the Lord. The God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac, they told you about me, but you didn't pay much attention because you're too busy conniving. But by the way, I'm here and you're about to be transformed. This is not some altar call that he said yes to. This was a snatching by God. And some conversions have nothing to do with our will. Some conversions, yes, we decide to say yes to Jesus. And sometimes God just grabs us by the scruff of the neck and says, you're mine now. And that's what happened to Jacob. He just got grabbed. I'm the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Had he earned this? No. Did he deserve this? No. Is it pure grace? Yes. People always say, oh, I like the New Testament better than the Old Testament because there's no grace in the Old Testament. This is a grace moment of the first order. Completely unearned. God decides to use the biggest schmuck around and create the greatest nation ever out of him. Do you know that over, not quite, but almost half of the Nobel Prizes given have been given to Jewish people? Talk about a light to the world. Little, there's less Jewish people in the world than there are people living in L.A. County, spread out over the world. And look at the light they've been to this world, including Jesus, for goodness sake, and the Bible, the light to the world. And that all came out of Jacob. Rosalie from our church, Heather, Wendy, they've all got some Jewish blood, so they got some of that Jacob in them. Most of us don't, giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east, the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants, and this has come to pass. It has come to pass. And it was pure grace. It was pure grace on God's part. He wanted to show how he could transform the worst of ego-driven people like Jacob. Virtually all ego, no spirit. I'm going to transform the worst just to show you what I can do. What's more, I'm with you, and I'll protect you wherever you go. Does it say if you're faithful? Does it say if you're good? No, he says, I'm just coming to give you this so there. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've finished giving you everything I have promised you. And the Jewish people continue to go back to that land. And these things are happening in history around us right now. Then Jacob awoke from sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. Who, who mentioned God's presence in the prophecy? Someone here did. The presence was the first word. I think it was shared Linda. God is in this place. There's not one place where God isn't. We just need to wake up to it. We say, come Holy Spirit, but Holy Spirit is here. What we need to do is say, Lord, open our spirits to see the Holy Spirit. 
because there's nowhere where he isn't. Sleeping on a rock, being exiled from your family, go find a woman and get a life. God was there too. Didn't even see it. But he also was afraid and said, what an awesome place is this. It's none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. And house of God is Beit El, which we say Bethel. And this place was called Bethel. And to this day, there's churches called Bethel. There's a Bethel in Reading, which is a great church, by the way. And Bill, you've been up there, and a few of us have been up there. And uh, it's a church that believes in open heaven. And they write about those things. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against and set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil all over it. He named the place Bethel, Beit El. Beit is house, El is God which means the house of God, although it was previously called Lutz. And he promised from then on to give a tenth of everything he received to God. And he had been transformed. He had a transformative collision with God. Kind of like the Apostle Paul, isn't it? The Apostle Paul had a transformative collision on the way to Damascus. And he was never the same again. And he was a person who was persecuting the church. And he was all for the stoning of Stephen. Major transformation in our Bible thing this morning. I'd love it if you guys came early to our, our Bible time. Bill Zerson shared something from the book of Job. And, uh, I'm going to find it for you here. Job 33, verse 14. For God speaks again and again though people do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. He whispers in their ears and terrifies them with warnings. Jacob was terrified. He makes them turn from doing wrong, like Jacob. He keeps them from pride. He protects them from the grave, from crossing over the river of death. Instead, crossing over the river, as Jen said, into our promise. We have choices. The transformative close encounter with the Lord. I just ordered a copy of Luther's small catechism. I've got it right here. Because there's a kid here in Huntington Beach that wants to go through confirmation. And it's really good to learn the catechism. You learn the Ten Commandments, you learn the Creed, you learn the Apostles. Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, what they mean. You learn about communion. All of that's good stuff. But you could learn everything in this book and graduate with honors from Fuller Seminary with a PhD and never have a transformative experience like Jacob. And you'll still be the same person you were. You'll just know more. Who thinks it's, it's possible to get all the right answers about God and never be transformed by his presence? Do you know, I say this all the time, there has never in the history of the world been a revival at a seminary. Think about that, where people spend more time in the Bible than anywhere else. Tamara, our associate pastor, the one thing, the only one thing I forbid, I don't tell Tamara what to do, but the one thing I forbid is for her to go to seminary. That would wreck everything. It's just, 
I'm not anti-seminary. I'm very blessed by what I learned at seminary in Bible. I learned ancient languages, all kinds of cool stuff. But nothing has transformed me like those encounters with God, the handful of times where I came face to face with God and I couldn't leave the same. Jacob had another one where he wrestled with God later on and he came out damaged with his hip out of joint. <laughs> you have an encounter with God, you could um, get tussled around a little bit. And the way you were doing things might change. And my question to you is, God is everywhere. God has an abundance, as we learned in our prophecies. Are you open to an encounter with God like Jacob had? And if you're a busy mind person, are you open to taking your dream seriously? And saying, oh, that was just bad pizza. No, it might have been. God trying to get a hold of you. Because I believe he's there for everyone. One of the things we've got is the Alpha Course. I see some of you were on our last Alpha Course, and we're starting another Alpha Course this Wednesday at 6 o'clock Pacific, 8 o'clock Central, 7 Mountain, 9 Eastern. And I know that because our last course had people from all the time zones. And I would invite those of you who are hungry for an encounter with God to come on the Alpha Course because the Alpha Course will provide for you a perfectly safe environment where nobody manipulates you, nobody will mess with you. You can ask any question. You can come in an agnostic or an atheist or a believer. It doesn't matter. And we will give you opportunities with no pressure to have a transformative encounter with God. And you might think, well, I don't live in Southern California. We're doing this on Zoom and it worked last time. I would like you to consider coming on the course on Wednesday because we create an environment where over time you can open your soul up to receive the presence of God. I don't know when they're going to do the next Curcio weekend because of the gathering rules. But Curcio weekends are also like this. It's a great environment to be open to a transformative experience of God's presence. And you don't need to do it on the Alpha Course or go to Curcio. You can do it this afternoon. It, and no, you can't go to the beach. I was thinking, go to the beach. You can go to the beach on Monday. Go somewhere and sit down and quiet your mind. Say, Lord, Whatever you want to do to get a hold of me, I'm going to open myself up to that right now. And the Bible promises the Holy Spirit to everybody who asks for him. That's in Luke. Promises. Lord, Lord will give the Holy Spirit to everyone who asks. And we need these experiences of God to get us through these things and to transform us into different kinds of people. Jesus understood how important it was, too, in John 1, 51. Then Jesus said, this is in the New Testament, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus helps us connect with heaven when we have trouble with that. 
Jesus is the sole mediator between us and the Father. Jesus is that connector. I'm going to share just a little bit about our trip, and this has to do with the message. This is Wendy after having done a big hike, elevation 8,000 whatever feet. And this is me at Bryce Canyon. We just got back from a two-week vacation to uh, southern Utah. And in the middle is our 1965 Scotsman trailer, which we have nicknamed Ernetje, which is Wendy's mom's nickname. And before we go on every trip, we say, Ernetje, help you in in Ritje? Would you like to go for a ride? Oh, a cow on riches. And she would always say that. I'd love to go for a ride. So that's why we named the trailer after Wendy's mom. And that trailer that you're looking at, half of the roof was gone a few years ago. And somebody up in Hemet took this shell of a trailer, took pictures of it. I mean, the whole thing was just ripped open like a can of tuna and redid it. And we're still redoing it. It wasn't canceled. It was restored. And there are times in your life that it hasn't happened already where the top of your roof's going to get ripped off and some things are going to happen and you're going to be a mess. Tragedy will hit you. People will die around you. You'll lose your job. You'll go bankrupt. Those things just happen to us. They happen to us. Some bad stuff happened to Woody in high school. And some great stuff came out of it. You got to hear the whole story sometime. He'll tell you. It was, it, without those bad things, he wouldn't be who he is now. And God restores, restored Woody's sight and some other things. There's going to be times in your life where all of the worldly stuff will fail you. And when it happens, God will restore you. This is not our trailer, but this is what our trailer would like to look like. <laughs> this is a magazine I get because I'm... I'm a, I'm a tool nerd. Wendy has to keep me away from Harbor Freight because those coupons are calling to me and they say, you've got to go get this 20% off right now. I, I, well, you need a skill saw for everywhere you are, just in case you don't. You know. But I get a magazine called Vintage Trailers. And this has a very spiritual subtitle. At the bottom of every issue, it says, Rescue, Restore, Rally. <laughs> That's what God does with us. Rescues us. Puts the roof back on. Cancels the cancel culture. A lot of people would have said, throw that trailer away. What a piece of junk but then it would never be Ernage going on riches. Rescue, restore, rally. Gather together. Church is God's remnant of restored people, restoring creation. Who thinks there's some ripped up places in this culture right now? God wants to rescue this culture, restore this culture, and rally this culture. And guess what he's going to use? 
people that he's rescued, restored, and rallied. Deep is calling to deep. Question is, will you answer? Next week, we're doing Joseph and the coat of many colors. I'll just leave it on this very non-spiritual note. If Joseph doesn't look like Donny Osmond, I'm going to be very disappointed. I get to have go, 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 Joseph. It just kind of goes with the story. But there is way more to this story, way more to the Joseph story than you think. There's a lot of depth in the Jacob story and a lot of depth in you. Let's pray. Jen, come on up and get ready to lead. Lord, uh, I just want to give you thanks for Tamara's opening here, the prophetic words in this room. I pray your blessing on Jen, Lord. Jen is an artist who loves to uh, be open to these stairway experiences. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless her and anoint her as she closes our service today. Good morning. So House was talking about um, the three R's, rescue, restore, rally. Yes. Um, This week there is an exchange of verses um, in our congregation, and I think it's awesome to be able to have a platform to share this right now because exchanging the word of God with one another is also a practical way that we worship. It's exalting the Lord's word above our circumstance and letting that become the banner over our situation that will rally us, that will rescue us, and that will restore us. And I just want to read off a couple of scriptures that are meaningful to me today that were shared um, in the midst of our congregation. This is Mark 9:24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I've definitely felt like that, and maybe you have at some points this week. This next verse that was shared is from Psalm 121, verse 1. This is the NLT version. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? And of course we know the answer is yes, but sometimes we just need to be reminded by hearing this verse, um, of course, my help comes from the Lord. So again, just hearing the word of God um, from our friends given to us, it helps us to rally our faith. I also have a scripture that was sent to me this morning, and I was wondering if anybody who has a Bible could participate by looking it up. Um, if you have a Bible and you want to look it up, just kind of shake it. For, just hold it up for me. Okay, the verse is Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. And just raise your hand or your phone when you have it. Okay, Tom, can you read that for me and I'll repeat it? Trust in Adonai 
In all your ways, acknowledge him, and then he will level you down. Amen. Trust in Adonai with all your heart, and he will level your path. Lean not on our own understanding. What version is that? I like that. Wow. Yeah. My heart, my spirit left just hearing the the uh, the name Adonai. We don't. I don't think we use his name in that regard enough in services. Um, but that's beautiful. And it says he will level our path. Amen. Okay, I have one more scripture. If somebody else wants to look this up, it is Second Corinthians six fourteen. Who's got it? Second Corinthians six fourteen. Linda. Mm. Do not be yoked untogether with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Amen. So the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And I just thank the Lord so much that we can worship by being in his word because it restores us and it rescues us and it rallies us. Amen. I also want to use the last few moments here to share a couple praise reports because I think it's awesome to come together and to praise the Lord with our testimonies. So um, I had a rough night uh, with some nervous system challenges, woke up this morning, was struggling to get here, but guess what? I had, from the moment I exited the 22 freeway, green lights all the way through <laughs> till I got here nonstop. I was just on, I was cruising. I was like, wow, Lord, this is so cool. Um, and then what else happened? Oh, okay, so yesterday um, I was having a rough day and been going through some restless leg syndrome and also this this feeling in my low back where it feels like I'm sitting on a chair and yet I'm floating um, and it's really uncomfortable. So when my friends asked me if I wanted to participate in a live stream on Facebook that they project out to the whole world, <laughs> by faith I said yes, even though I had zero strength. And it takes a lot of strength and energy to sing, as some of you singers know, Kathy, Tamara, Lin Linda, Kim. Um, it takes a lot of energy and focus. But I'm learning and more and more through having gone through chronic illness for years that God can work through it best in my weakness. And as I just surrender and let him take over, he does amazing things. And if you've ever prayed for me in this, thank you, because it's definitely a group effort. It takes a team. And that's why we are the body of Christ because um, sometimes we need others' faith to encourage us in what God has called us to do. And last night, um, the moment the live stream kicked on, my strength went up and my voice came out with power, and it shocked me. <laughs> and God gave me um, prophetic songs, which is my favorite. I love moving in that. And we just knew that it was touching people. It was going forth like rivers of living water gushing out of us. 
the three of us just sat there. We we had filled ourselves up with the word of God that that day, and it all came out. And we were able to worship the Lord in song, in testimony, in thanksgiving, and also with scripture and just sharing that amongst one another. So anyways, those are my praise reports. And I look forward to hearing um, any praise reports that you guys might have this week. Um, Oops, just dropped. Um, I think it's important to encourage ourselves amongst ourselves by sharing what God has done. So if you have a praise report, and um, maybe share it with the Facebook wall for the well, you know, even if it's something so small. All right. Thank you for listening, and let's take part in communion. So I hope everybody has one of these little cups here. Let's just take a moment to um, seek the Lord and just go before him in a, a, a moment, a few seconds of silence to let him search your heart, and then I will lead us in the body and the blood. Heavenly Father, sometimes sitting in the silence with you can be uncomfortable. But as it was mentioned today at the start of our service, sometimes that's exactly where we need to be in order to hear you and hear what your direction is, God. To let you restore us, to let you rally us, to let you point things out to us, God that you want to renew in our lives. And we just thank you, Lord God, that you are here. We thank you that you were and you are and you are to come. And you are here to meet us today. And you are here to remind us of the cross, the sacrifice that you made. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us the forgiveness of sins through your broken body. You accomplished an amazing work, and we rejoice in that today. And we receive your body, which was broken for us. Thank you, Jesus. Take and eat. Now let's receive the cup. This is the blood of Jesus that was shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Jesus, that you willingly submitted to the Father. You went to the cross, and it was there that you were pierced for our transgressions. And now we receive this cup in remembrance of you. And by your wounds we are healed. Amen. Okay, I think Kim is going to come and close us out. And House, thank you so much for those awesome sermon points. I'm going to go back and read the story of Jacob and just meditate 
um, more in that. And Tamara, thank you for leading us this morning during that prophetic time and that reading of the psalm. The word of God is so powerful. Thank you. Thank you. I can't do slides and be up here at the same time, so uh, we're going to go back like four slides. I mean, not that we don't want you to have a great week, just hold tight. Uh, teacher training's coming up uh, the 12th? Tonight. Oh, have mercy. 4 p.m. tonight, um, how to lead um, the how-tos of practical prayer ministry. Um, it's more than just, hey, let's pray. I mean, it is and it isn't. But if you want to know more, come tonight. Find out. Next. July prayer cards are on your seats. If they weren't on your seats when you came in, they're also available outside to pick one up. Um, I had one up here from last week. Anybody know offhand who we're praying for? Don't all speak at once. Wow. Again, those prayer cards are outside on the table for you. They're also on your seats. I lied. They're not on your seats. Um, as always, we're praying for our governor and for our president because we're called to. <clears throat> playing against COVID-19. That one I do remember. Um, infections go down. People are healed. Unity and peace. How could I forget that one? Uh, unity and peace uh, in our communities between citizens, police, and government. Um, pray that his church is open. Uh, all that are protected and can experience God in new ways. Uh, we also have our daily Bible readings. Um, those are posted online now, so you can catch up online. And if you can't actually follow the readings, House does great videos that are five minutes long, maybe, and we'll walk you through this, the teaching as well. The online Zoom uh, women's study done by Linda Vanoy, um, all about the Sabbath and learning to breathe. Sabbath is very important. Uh, most of us are too busy to uh, get away for weeks at a time, but taking that one day a week is vital to our health, not only physical health, but emotional and mental as well. So as somebody who works seven days a week, trust me when I say you need to have a Sabbath because it's not fun otherwise. Next, tithes and offerings. Um, There's so many ways to give. Check out our uh, tiny URL slash Malachi310giving, and that will give you all the sites of ways to be able to um, partake and to give. We have been so blessed by everyone that um, has continued to support us throughout this time that we're actually able to provide more for um, our leaders here, and that's been a huge blessing, and we're so grateful for for everyone who's come behind and, and choosing to chosen to continue being faithful, um, that means a lot. Coming from one of your leaders, thank you. We appreciate you. And have a great week. Be blessed. <laughs>